Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations have begun at Philosopher's Corner at Stanford, where Ken teaches philosophy, and I did for 40 years. 40 memorable years, John. Now today, we're thinking about affirmative action and asking, is it too little or too much? Well, too little or too much what, Ken? Well, too little racial injustice or perhaps too much racial resentment. Well, maybe a bit of both. Affirmative action, as originally conceived, was a good thing, in my opinion. It was designed to overcome the effects of past racial discrimination when blacks were often told they need not apply. Yeah, John, but why the need for it still? The Civil Rights Act of 1964 outlawed discrimination in one fell swoop, didn't it? Oh, you're so naive, Ken. You think if the law says there shall be no further discrimination, then it will disappear? That You, you can't undo the lingering effects of decades and decades of racial injustice with a mere stroke of a pen. That's where affirmative action came in. Yeah, John, but how is suddenly subjecting whites to what many think of as reverse discrimination supposed to help with that? Surely you don't believe that two racial wrongs make a racial right. Well, reverse discrimination was never the idea. At least it was the original idea. The point was to level a playing field. Institutions had to act affirmatively to make sure that they were reaching candidate pools that they may have been uh, excluding for years that included minorities and, and that, they, that they were using criteria that weren't unnecessarily biased. The idea was to attract, actively seek out minorities and to remove obstacles, to openly welcome them, and to allow them to compete, but on a fair and equal terms with whites. Well, that's maybe how they thought of it then, but that's not how people think of affirmative action today, John, not at all. They think of it as a system where whites and blacks are not held to the same standards, and you get a less qualified black person being hired or admitted over a more qualified white person, all in the name of some ideal of diversity. Admittedly, affirmative action did evolve. It started out, as I described, a tool for eliminating the effects of past discrimination. It became more a tool for increasing diversity directly, at least somewhat independently of explicit discrimination. I'm not quite sure I see the difference you're getting at. Well, one is focused on fair and open processes, making sure that they're not infected with bias. The other is focused more on actual results. Well, I, I, I see that's a fair distinction. I grant you that's a fair distinction. I'm not sure it makes much of a difference in actual practice, though. Well, the second is harder to justify. Uh, it's it's a philosophically different stance. It's bound to encounter resentment and resistance from some. Why? That's because you, you don't think diversity is a good thing? Well, diversity is a very good thing, but so is individual merit. Is there supposed to be some tension between diversity and merit? Well, if there weren't a tension, then we could just focus on fairly evaluating merit and let diversity take care of itself. I'm not so sure about that. Look, what if we were given two equally qualified candidates, one of whom adds diversity and the other doesn't? Shouldn't we go with a more diverse candidate? Nice hypothetical, but are there really any ties in real life? Well, why should diversity only be used to break ties anyway? I think maybe we should question that assumption. Why can't diversity be a positive qualification all on its own? So you get extra points for being a black or being a woman? That seems to me to go against the very idea of equality. 
it needs to be done very carefully. It really does amount to reverse discrimination. I'm not so sure about that either. Think of it in the context of Im- implicit bias, John. Uh, people have done this kind of experiment a lot. Suppose we give two hiring committees, two almost identical uh, resumes, with just this one teeny tiny inconsequential difference. One person has a recognizably Anglo-sounding name say Jason, the other has a recognizably African-American sounding name, I don't know, say Jamal. Uh, Shouldn't make a difference, should it? No. What's in a name? Well, but you and I both know the dirty little secret that it does matter. In experiment after experiment like this, the candidate with the black sounding name is judged to be less qualified than the candidate with the Anglo sounding name. And it's the same for female names, same for Hispanic names. Yeah, yeah, I know there's a lot of research on that. being John instead of Joan, same term paper, third of a point, grade average, better in most cases. That's why over at Berkeley, where I'm doing some teaching now, we, we just have students identify themselves by numbers. But, you know, people used to hope that if we just had fair procedures and standards and actively sought out excluded people, everything would eventually be all right. We might not need affirmative action anymore. But you're kind of suggesting with all this uh, stuff that uh, implicit bias will never overcome discrimination. That's pretty depressing, Ken. Well, it's a fact, John. I mean, people prefer their own kind. And even when they think they don't, even when they think of themselves as fair-minded, open-minded people, they in fact aren't. It is depressing. Well, how can we ever be sure that we aren't being controlled by our biases and that we're honestly applying fair, equitable, and objective standards? Uh Uh-huh. I'm not sure that we can, John. That's the point. Well, that's terrific, Ken. Where does that leave us? With endless debates, lawsuits, and racial division? Nobody ever promised that achieving racial justice was going to be easy, John. Well, and to give us a feel for just how challenging the achievement of racial justice can be, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Shuka Kalantari, to look at affirmative action. Then and now, she files this report. It all began in 1961 when President John F. Kennedy issued an executive order requiring government contractors to take affirmative action to ensure equal opportunity in the workplace and in higher education. And when Americans are sent to Vietnam or West Berlin, we do not ask for whites only. It ought to be possible, therefore, for American students of any color to attend any public institution they select without having to be backed up by troops. Affirmative action was first challenged successfully in the courts in 1978. The Supreme Court ruled states could not set quotas for the number of minority students they enrolled. Fast forward a quarter century, and there are two Supreme Court cases against different schools at the University of Michigan. White applicants had sued the university, saying that applicants of color who were less qualified than they had been accepted while they had been rejected. Faye Crosby is a psychology professor at the University of California, Santa Cruz. And they said that this goes against the 14th Amendment to the Constitution that says that we need to consider every individual as an individual, not as a member of some caste or category. The University of Michigan argued that the role of a public university is to benefit the public good and provide a full education. And getting a full education entails being in contact with people from different ethnicities, hearing their points of view, and learning how to work with them. It essentially boils down to the following. In Michigan, a largely white state, 
the white students would be harmed if they would not be in contact with students from underrepresented minority groups. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of the law school, saying it's constitutional for a program to consider race and admissions as part of a larger decision process. But the court ruled against the undergraduate school, saying that giving an automatic boost to minorities in admissions was unconstitutional. If you read the decisions, you see that it's the same logic. You have to look at every individual applicant on his or her combination of merits and then sort of stand back and say, how have we done? Do we have a diversified student body? In 2013, in the case of Fisher versus the University of Texas, the Supreme Court ruled colleges have to show they're using race in admissions only when necessary, meaning there are no other methods that could produce the same results. Today, nine states, including California, have eliminated affirmative action from their public universities. One effect in California is that the number of minority students doesn't reflect the state's ethnic profile. Where we're really having trouble is with African-American students. A 2014 study from the National Bureau of Economic Research found that African-American student rates at the law schools of UC Berkeley and UCLA dropped from 61 to 31 percent after affirmative action was eliminated. We need to be much more vigilant about continuing to be a ladder of opportunity for all students, including especially African-American students. UC Santa Cruz psychologist Faye Crosby says affirmative action inspires people to pay it forward. In one study, the former presidents of Princeton and Harvard tracked students of color who had been admitted to top East Coast universities through affirmative action. Those individuals later on devoted themselves to public service more so than any other category. They helped with education and with uh, public works in their local communities. Crosby says affirmative action isn't the whole answer for racial equality in higher education, but it's part of the answer. And it's a part that ripples across the whole pond because it creates better educated people of color who have a commitment to justice for all ethnicities and racial groups. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Shuka Kalantari. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music. Thank you for listening. Thank you for thinking. And thank you for supporting Philosophy Talk.